Hello and welcome to the Shoot to the Fences European Review. I am your host Dan, aka Double D, and as usual, I'm here with my co-hosts. First, we have our very own impressionist, that Yannick J. Are we ready? Are we good to go? <laughs> I wish your barber, by the way, Jan. <laughs> what, lang- what language is your barber speaking this week? Uh, listen, my barber's Greek now. He's my dad. I don't talk him no more. So, um, yeah. Oh, you've oh, okay. Okay, you've asked him. Okay. Yeah, since lockdown, I've been shaving my hair off. So uh, I've, I've saved a few bob as well, which is good. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> How are you doing, boys, anyway? There you go. Are you both okay? I'm all right. I'm all, I'm, I'm all right. Just about been busy, busy, busy. But um, we got to do this. This is one of my highlights of the weeks. This is absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's got to be done. Exactly. And my other host with me, the man from free in midfield, the ubiquitous coach Kojo. What's going on, brother? I'm good, man. No one's ever described me like that. That's beautiful, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're everywhere, man. You're working hard, man. Like I said, man, I'm the cat slater of the podcast world, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> Come on, you slag. I'm yeah. not just a slag. I'm a perfect total slag. Alfie, Alfie. Right. I can't, I'll get your number after the show, yeah? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Love it, love it. Major, major pause, major pause. Time out, time out. I think we should start this again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, right. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that yet, oh, but right. Um, let's get into it. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> only one place to start. Um, this week, and that is in the Liga for a game that, as I said on um, the socials when I was at in you guys, um, could be shown at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, it finished Levante 3, Real Madrid 3, and um, <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy game um, end-to-end. Uh, Real Madrid took the lead. Gareth Bell, his first goal in the Liga in two years, scored Who? after... Um, <laughs> Mr. Golf, <laughs> Mr. Golf. Gareth Bell gave Real Madrid the lead after some uh, last work by Cameron Benzema cutting the back and he slid in. Um, and then, uh, not even thirty seconds into the second half, Roger Marty made it one-one as Real Madrid's backline were cut open the high line. Marty got in behind. His shot was. It looked like it had been saved by Courtois, but found its way over the line. Then Levante took the lead after a brilliant volley by Campagna, right into the top corner, a magnificent goal. And then uh, a brilliant pass by Casemiro, really thread a needle with his pass. And Venetia Junior controlled it, ran through and finished well to make it 2-2. Pia, after a flick on from a free kick, put Levante 3-2 ahead. And then Luka Jovic had a header saved for Real and the rebound from Danny Carvajal was blocked but then they did get their equaliser when Vinicius Jr picked up the ball and he's deft it was like a scooped 
chip or scooped flick. I don't know what the best thing to describe it as. And it went in off the far post, something that Romario would have been, the Brazilian legend Romario would have been happy with um, and <laughs> made it 3-3. Then in the 86th minute, Levante's keeper Aitor was sent off for doing his best LeBron James impression near the halfway near the halfway line as he rushed out and um, they held on for the free free draw. Crazy, crazy, crazy game. Um, we touched on this last week, guys, but um, coach, I'll let you start with this one. We touched on it last week about how we'll be interested to see if they do go by a centre half, considering the fact that. They've lost for Ramos. and Ramos, and Ancelotti, as great as a manager he is, I mean, he's he's trophy cabinet, um, or rather, he's the trophies he's accumulated speak for itself. But he, we've never really seen him as a defensive strategist, um, have we? Are they going to have more games like this this season? I think so. I think firstly, well. I think every Madrid fan kind of fretted when obviously Ramos left, but when Varane left as well, they were like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, what's, what's going on here? Now, Eden Militao has not progressed whatsoever. No. Nacho Fernandez, the best way for me to describe Nacho Fernandez is every time people talk about, oh, what they had about Madrid, and when they ask me about Main Night Science and Varane, I'm like, oh, you know, Varane is a great signing, and, you know, uh, he was. He's won so many trophies, but he's not like Nacho Fernandez. He was like a key piece of the Real Madrid team. That's what Nacho Fernandez is. The sideman. So, Ooh. Um, with that being said... Sweet potato mash. Yeah. <laughs> I like sweet potato mash. Let's call him regular creamy mash. Um, or call on the cop. Um, I just think... I think this is a time where Real Madrid needs to really start thinking about their defensive issues properly because it might actually get to a case where they start playing free at the back to compensate for just how poor these guys are at the back. Because all the work that Vinicius, Benzema, um, ah, even Bale did something. Um, I'm not going to put Hazard in that conversation because, <laughs> lol. Um, <laughs> I just think when you, when you go from such high-caliber defenders to defenders who, quite frankly, do not have the same level of game time, or the same level in in general as those two, you're going to have struggles. Eden Militao is young, still a young guy. He's still got way to improve, but Kossi, I feel like he's just stagnated. He hasn't really progressed any further in his career at Real Madrid. I feel like that's already another big issue. Nacho Fernandez is not a spring chicken. He, he's he's in his 30s, isn't he? So yeah. even that in itself creates another problem because now you're thinking about He's not a long-term solution. He's not a long-term replacement. That performance against Levante was pathetic. As was Courtois, by the way, but that's another discussion. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think they've just got major issues, man. And I think if with this time and the window closing, I know their obsession is Kylian Mbappe, which I guess we'll all talk about at some point. But if I'm being very honest, they need to look at bolstering that centre-back position because losing your captain... And one hell of a defender in the same window is devastating for a combined fee of 35 million. And one of them had a transfer fee, the other one didn't. So, yeah, they need to think about replacing him fast because Nacho Fernandez isn't the one, and Militao, I don't think, is going to improve anything past this. Oh, man. As um, coaches uh, just touched on, Jan, um, mm. 
wasn't the greatest game for um, Thibaut Courtois, but surely these uh, added obviously to what we're saying with the centre-half issues, but surely they should be looking to be bolstering other areas of the side rather than looking to get in Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, and Mbappe is not a priority for Madrid, but as we know with Madrid, historically, they always go after the best players to prove that they're the kind of powerhouse in European football. They've always done it. Um, we touched on it last week, boys, regarding um, um, the backline of Real Madrid. This is why I don't think any of us have tipped them to win the league, have they? Have we? I think no, you and you, I, Dan, said... I think you went at Letty. Yeah, we went at Letty. I think... Oh, I don't think it was a full house for that, actually. Coach might have picked someone else. Right, OK. Well, I'm going to stick with... that. Their back line will cost, them, will cost them the title this season. Yeah, they might be good going forward, but you've got to also think about the three midfield that they play as well. They're not spring chickens either anymore. You know, your Cruises, your Modric. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so when you... Go- when you come to the latter stages of games also, when, when teams start to tie, they're, they're, they're tired also. And, we're, and, and and then being vulnerable at the back um, as well. And, and to be fair, back to your point with Courtois, he hasn't set the heights high since he's been there either. He's not, he's not been great. He's no. been very inconsistent. So, I mean, for me, it's very, very baffling for a team or a club like Real Madrid to let two centre-halves go and not really replace them. Yes, they've got Alaba, but Alaba's not really been tested. You know, the you know the Bundesliga. You're not with Bayern Munich having 70, 75 percent of the ball every single game. You're not going to be tested as much. La Liga's not like that. There's a lot of technical teams in Spain that will cause you problems, and Levante's one of them. I mean, I've got a lot of respect for Levante. Levante, one of them sides that since they've kind of consolidated their status in La Liga, they've they've played more expansive football. Yeah. They're, they're quite, yeah, they're quite an attacking side. I quite enjoy watching Levante. I, you know, I think they're quite brave. They're, they're good on the ball. They're, they're quite direct. Yeah. And, you know, and um, you know, you got to give them credit for that. But and something that you mentioned as well about Ancelotti over the years being defensive. I saw a very defensive side of him at Everton. Now, you could say Everton are, you know, of course, a different club to what he's managed. Mm. But maybe he was kind of reflecting on the players that he had. But Yeah, yeah. I, I think there should be... I mean, Real Madrid's philosophy has always been, you know, we're going to attack, we're going to score six, you're going to score kind of five, and we're going to win the game. But they're not going to win the league um, playing that way this season with, with their back line. Um, they really, really need to strengthen. They need to look at the kind of the strategy. They're going to probably get Mbappe because they're Real Madrid and Mbappe wants to join them. But they've got, they've, they've got other key areas that they need to invest before Mbappe. Yeah, and that's, that's what I believe too. But the, the problem, the thing is with Madrid, as we said, obviously that's huge. You're losing two world-class centre-halves. So, obviously, you can't replace them directly because there's not a, a plethora of brilliant centre-halves in world football. But last season of all... So, the season before last, rather, when they won the league in 19-20 to 20 season... That wasn't really expansive compared to the Zidane teams or the Real teams um, in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, well, actually, I'll say since Capello, actually, because Capello was an all-out attack necessarily like that. But since Capello left, that was probably the most 
because even with the Mourinho teams that he had when obviously he got the league in the left to 12 were quite attacking but they really concentrated on the defence in the 1920s so they capitalised on mistakes and managed games well when they won the league and now well they've tried defensive cultures down didn't they and it didn't work Benitez went there he flopped Luxembourg went there and he was the well I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that um, no but Luxembourg was before Capello wasn't it so I'm yeah saying what I'm saying is mm. traditionally defensive managers or defensive kind of star mm. managers don't suit Real Madrid Real Madrid but, don't tolerate that I, would, I, I just don't think I don't think Benitez flopped there um, yeah and I think that they just wanted him out because remember not too long um uh Separated from when he got axed, they won at 9 0 against Halicano or one of them teams. I don't think they were really defensive off the Rafa. I just think that the fans didn't help, and I just don't think they thought that he he was the best man for the job. But they didn't even give him a season that so it doesn't really make any sense in in the way they dealt with him, in my opinion. Uh, He was playing cut tie players in cut games and then they got kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) But that's another story. You know, so so yeah, but we'll leave Madrid there. I want to talk about this guy. A certain Argentinian <laughs> who did a madness at um Roma and then was brought in to replace the aforementioned Gareth Bell, who scored the first goal in that free free George just spoke on, is now at Sevilla after being included in a swap deal with Brian Gill. Eric Lamella is the bad question, obviously, that I'm talking about. And he came off the bench again for Sevilla. And after coming off the bench and getting two goals in their first game of the season, he came off the bench to grab the winner in injury time against Getafe. Or Hatafe, rather. No, away at Hatafe in the fourth minute of injury time. Coach, <laughs> did, you know what I'm going to ask you because I could tell by your laugh. Um, did he just need, was it just a case where for all these years, all that he's been through, because let's be fair at Tottenham, he's had, I think, he's had two family members that I think his brother passed while he was at Tottenham and another family member. Yeah. One, I, he had a pet die. Um, I think I even heard a stage that he was going through, and not surprisingly, before these things happening, some mental issues, so he was given some time off, etc. Did he just need to just get out of England? Obviously, it's early doors. He could go on and not score again this season. But did he just need that new challenge? Because we watched Serie A do. We know what he did in that season before he joined Tottenham. And he showed bits and pieces of brilliance in some of the goals he scores. But consistency has been the key. Is this his role, to be an impact guy? I don't know what his role is. It's funny. It's weird because, again, he came off the bench and, I mean, even the winner, like, it was just the way he went forward, he wasn't so far left or just looking aimlessly and waiting for the ball to come to him to do some Rabonas. It was commonsensical football. Now, on one hand, I could say that Spanish football does suit him better in terms of technicality, even though... He has the fastiness to, to have survived in the Premier League. He wasn't a pushover there either. There's a lot of factors why it didn't work at Tottenham. Injuries, all of that, etc., etc. But the one thing at Tottenham is the reason why very few players improve at Tottenham is because Tottenham have never been stable. And when Tottenham are not stable and they bring in crap after crap and then one good talent and then more crap, apart from that little... <laughs> 
what are you? I, I don't know if you want to call it golden because they didn't really bring any gold, but they'll call it golden anyway. Golden period under Pochettino, um, which was lasting what two, three years. Um, so we actually no, let's not call it gold. Let's call it copper. That copper period. Ouch! Ouch! Um, under <laughs> under Pochettino. Even him as well, he was shining. I think it's just a, it's just a case of new system, new environment, an environment that he's a lot more uh, accustomed to because obviously he speaks Spanish, that's his, his first language. So he's gone to another country where he can speak the language with the locals, no problem, easier to adapt. I think that just works out for him better. He started like a house on fire, man. The guy's enjoying himself. He's scoring goals. And for Tottenham fans, I think they need to also realise that no matter the manager in recent time, all of their squad bar one, because, I mean, he'll do everything by himself anyway, has been sort of either underused or they've underperformed. Lamella is a bit of both. He has underperformed at times, but at times you can also say, well, have they really done the best to try and get the best out of him? I don't think so. I think they catered to a couple of players and Lamella was not one of those players they catered to. They got excited over skill and flair. And he wasn't allowed to progress. He didn't progress. That's some of his blame as well. But look, it's a great start. Long may it continue. I, I feel like, uh, who was it? Someone on Twitter, a Spurs fan, said that every, I think since 2013 or so, every Spurs player that has left them has gone on to win trophies by like five or six. <laughs> and uh, I think the, the number of trophies has gone past 100. That's not hard, though, is it, coach? <laughs> uh, well, well, it's not. It's not. But let Lamella add to the number. Let Sevilla win a Copa del Rey. That would be beautiful. And I went to score in the final as well. I really wanted to shine. Because I was a fan of his. I think I told Double D as well that um, I used to love Lamella a lot. I was guided when he went to Spurs. Because I didn't think Spurs was the right place for him. And lo and behold, I actually got that one right. Um, so, yeah. I hope he I hope he continues to do well so far. But he needs to start commanding a spot to start. But we'll see. That's what he's made of. Are you, are you the impact guy? Are you the guy that does one Rabona every two years and does nothing afterwards? There you go. Right, Jan. Yeah. Sevilla are being busy um, in the transfer market. They've got um, Rafa Mir signed. They've got in Augustinson, who's a decent um, left-back, Swedish left-back. They may lose Kunde, which would mean they'd need to get back in the market um, for a centre-half, because originally um, it was a case where if Chelsea were buying Kunde, it was looking like a swap deal, um, including Kurt Zuma. But um, now it looks like Kurt Zuma's going to West Ham, so they'd have to get a centre-half. Obviously, they'd get good money from Chelsea, and they still have a bit of time in the transfer market. They've got Papu Gomez, a player that me and Coach Ahayon did was outstanding for Atalanta. They Atalanta, got him yeah. They, yeah, they got him back in January. Yeah. Right? So and that now apparently they're gonna get Martin Delaney from um Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund for a cut price. I think that's only gonna be like eight million euros or something like that. Mm. Do you how now we've seen them in action, because obviously I was asking you that before. What do we expect from Sevilla this season? Same as we always do um, with them. Um, good cut runs, because they're a very good cup side. Um, 
and they'll be kind of battling for the for the Champions League places. I don't think they'll have enough to bridge the gap of uh, Madrid, Atletico, and Barca still. But um, yeah, they'll, they'll be you know uh, uh, along with your kind of Villarreal's, probably your Sociedad's, Bilbao's if they have a good season, um, and 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 um, Sevilla they'll be there like battling for fourth, fifth, sixth kind of position. As as we expect, they've got some good quality. Oh, Nesri up front as well. He scores goals. Yeah. Um. So that you know, with Lamella coming in, he's 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 done well so far. Again, I, I agree with coach. Consistency is the key. So he's got yeah. to do it on a on a regular basis. If if they lose Kunde, that's going to be a massive massive blow, and they're going to have to replace him. But Sevilla are just one of them teams that traditionally will sell their players, and then they'll kind of reinvest, and then they'll go win over a Europa League or. They'll get to a final of a Copa del Rey, or they'll do something. They're they're, they're one of them sides in Spain that um, you don't really want to face, but then also they they can be very inconsistent when you don't know what you're going to get out of them as well. So, but I don't think they'll bridge the top three, but they'll be they'll be fighting for the Champions League places. Okay, I'm going to go for it. Um, I think that they can come over Barcelona. Now Barca are minus Messi. I think that they could do. They, they, they've done a lot of business in the last couple of seasons. There's been signings that haven't worked out, like Manus Tabor, um, the Israeli striker. But they got um, Zama Drissi from Arsenal Mar last season. He's a good player. El Hadidi still there. De Jong. They've got firepower, as we said. Papu Gomez, Rakitic is veteran leadership, Fernando um, holding mid, they've got some really good players and I think as long as they could get an adequate centre-half in, because they're going to release good, uh, get good money for Kourne so they could even, they could choose to go abroad, but they could even raid one of the lower um, Spanish teams and get someone, you might even see them try and do something like bid with the big money they get from Chelsea mm-hmm. if the Kourne deal goes through, you might even try to see them try and plug a Pau Torres or from Villarreal, something like that, because of the um, as Yan touched on it last week in regards to talking about um, Italy, clubs in Spain and Italy are much more likely to sell to each other than they are in the Premier League. I mean, look at look at look at this Harry Kane saga. How long that's dragged on, for instance, with Tottenham and Manchester City. So yeah, I expect things from Sevilla this season. I like I like the look of them. But I tell you what, I do like at Sevilla, Dan or Campos. Yeah. Good player, good player. Me and Coach used to talk about him a lot because I was actually very critical of him um, for part of his Marseille um, uh, um, when he was at Marseille. But since he's come severe and um, scored some clutch penalties for them, but just his movement, direct, no, he's a, he's a good player. Man. Yeah, he's found a lot of consistency, which is good. He's a good player at Campos. Right, so the, um, our last... Um, the league game, we have to check in on them because otherwise it just seems like we're we're picking on them all the time. Uh, Barcelona got a late equaliser from Memphis Depay to get a one-one draw at Athletic Bilbao. Great emphatic finish um, from Depay, but coach, what do we now? We've actually seen them in action because we didn't know what was going on. We obviously know that. Um, Tostegan um, is injured and yeah, we'll probably be back next month. We'll see. We know Dembele, I hate to say it, but as usual, is, is um, out injured at the moment. Mm. Aguero injured too, but obviously that is um, one of those ones, guys, where 
they're looking at it as like, is it injured or is it the case that he's not in the right state mentally with his best mate leaving to go um, to Paris Saint-Germain? Um, are Barcelona's internal problems going to stop the season? And we thank the Lord also as well. Pedri, as of when the game finished on Saturday night, is having a two-week break. <laughs> with, with, considering the, with considering the amount of football that Pedri played um, in the league, then was in the Euro squad, then played in the Olympics, is his overuse, which started last season when Messi was there, kind of the embodiment of where Barca are at as a football club as a whole, not just on the pitch, but upstairs as well. The fact that they've had to overuse a teenager as quality as he is. Um, yeah, I think firstly, I don't I actually think I think Barcelona will be okay this year. Uh, when I say okay, I feel like they'll still be a top three team. I feel like they'll still get results here and there because they've actually started decent. They look decent. Um, Memphis Depay started very, very well. Mm-hmm. But what you said about Pedri speaks so true because like you can talk about Messi when he was young, but Messi was and Pedri is a brilliant young talent, but Messi is a was a phenomenon. Messi Messi was a one of a kind kind of player where you're like, we can't not play him. It's impossible not to play him. It's incredible. This guy has played how many games in a row has it now? Including for country as well, Pedri. It says a lot about Barca because what it means is number one, you can go to the argument of well, they've always been about La Masia and bringing through young talent. But what it also means is they're lacking so much talent in their senior ranks yep. that they're looking to a youngster to drag them through. Um, and on top of that, I thought you've got Martin Braithwaite, um, who missed one head of a sitter, by the way, um, doing his best Marshall versus PSG impression. <laughs> so, um, look, I think... I think they'll be fine, but it does speak volumes. I, they need to find a way to get over the, the messy thing because my always thing about PSG, and I think I said it here on the same show last week, was at some point he was going to retire anyway. So the fact that you put so much into Messi in terms of like being so behind Messi that La Liga looks like it depends on Messi and Ronaldo for his, his income and all of that. What's, how do you say it? Uh, Maison Club? Messi before and after, Barca will always be there. So you need to find a way to deal without him. You've had legends in your club for years. Dino, Rivaldo, Maradona. The list goes on and on and on. You should not be crying because one man's gone. You've done that to yourself. It's not a Messi problem. It's a Barcelona problem. So you need to find your way out of that. But I think on the pitch, the players love the club that much that I don't think they'll allow what's happening off the pitch to affect them too tough. I think the fact that they've all accepted, or a lot of them anyway, accepted to take um, cut prices so that certain players can play for them, I think speaks volumes about the kind of characters at the club and um, the kind of um, bond that they want to start building in this sort of new era, I guess, if you want to call it that. So I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. I actually think they'll challenge for the title. I don't think they'll win it, but I think they'll challenge for the title this year. Memphis Depay... I started off great as well, so kudos to him because I wasn't sure how he was going to kick off. He kicked off very well. Okay, excellent. Right, so let's go to Serie A. Before we and, go, um, then, I just want to mention yeah. one thing, yeah? yeah? In La Liga this week, there were only 17 goals scored and six of them were in the Levante game. 
That's disgusting. There you go. There you go. I mean, didn't he miss him another after all? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was only... Yeah, Levante had six of them, of course, as we know. The rest were like 1-1, one, 1-0, one, yeah. one, nil, 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 one, nil, one Yeah, one. Betis and Cadiz drew 1-1. One, one. Yep. Um, what's it? Mallorca beat uh, Alaves 1-0. Granada and Valencia drew 1-1. One, one. That was a late Carlos on their penalty um, for Valencia in that one. V- Espanyol and Villarreal were 0-0. Nil, nil. Well, actually had Villarreal to win in Mayaka. <laughs> And Sociedad won one deal against Real Vallecano. That was a penalty by Yazabar. Yep. Atleti beat Elche one deal. Angel Correa is 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 <laughs> he's like who needs Luis Suarez, mate? I get goals. <laughs> I get goals. Right? He's got eight one. in ten, I think Correa from the yeah yep. Yeah, if you go back to last season, yeah. Yep. So yeah, as you're saying, yeah, the, uh, a lack of goals you don't really see and Osasuna and Celta Vigo. Um, Junior Nil as well, so yeah, that uh, Ruben Garcia missed a penalty for Osasuna, so that could have been so much different. They made Rudak come into the season, uh, Osasuna, that, that penalty would be some huge opportunity, uh, missed there, but yeah, great point there, yeah, because actually, I knew all the results, but I didn't actually take that. That's a, that's that's very low when you consider the amount of goals that you oh, usually yeah. see, um, in in, in, uh, in that league. Um, so yeah, we're going to go to Serie A and um, <laughs> and the two games, or three rather, that were littered with goals. There were four goals in all the three games we're going to look at in Serie A. I've been brimming from ear to ear since Saturday because obviously my team won, what Premiership team Liverpool won their game early on. But then... Boom. At 5.30, I sacrificed watching... I sacrificed watching Brighton and Watford to watch my beloved <laughs> Nerazzurri um, into Milan play Genoa. And man, it was a treat. Simone and Zaghi's first game in charge and Intel, which is everyone was a bit cautious about because they were like, oh, I don't know, without Lukaku, no Conte there. Will Simone Zaghi be able to do the things that he did at Lazio? But man, from the first whistle, Inter Milan were rampant. Milan's Furiano headed in Hakan Kadanoglu's corner for the first goal early on. And then the um, Kadanoglu and Zeko, um, two of the new signings, um, Denzel Dumfries played as well. But Kadanoglu and Zeko linked up for the second goal. Zeko laid it off and Kadanoglu, what a shot. We all know about his set-piece ability back from when he was in the Bundesliga. But man, he's technically, the way he hits the ball, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Smash that, took a touch and then smashed that into the far corner from outside the box. Um, Zeko hit the bar. One thing I will say about Inter with their line, though, is that Callon had two good chances for Genoa. The first one he he missed, yeah, and then he put the other one wide as well. So that was the one thing, because they were so all out and everyone was pushing forwards. Better opposition would have been able to score against them. Inter had goals disallowed either side of half-time. Perisic um, was offside in the first half, and then um, Kanonogu scored a brilliant goal from a Perisic ball, controlled it and volleyed it top corner. But then um, Perisic was given offside um, on that one as well. Arturo Vidal came off the bench to make it free. Um, Skurinar had a header cleared off the line and then 
Zeko finally got his goal with a brilliant header to make it 4-0 slotted in at 35 like um, he's been there for uh, a couple of seasons now um, we, it's just one game but obviously we're, we're going to go how we see it week by week guys um, it was almost like Antonio Conte's style was so regimented that they felt there was, like, was less pressure here, like the shackles was off and they were expressing themselves. Um, Inter are going to be, win the league or not, because I know Jan, for instance, went for Juve, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, yeah Inter are going to be very entertaining this season, aren't they? They are, because of Simone Inzaghi. Um, Simone Inzaghi, traditionally in his managerial career, has always played expansive attacking um, football. He proved that at Lazio. Uh, yeah, it was only one game, of course. You know, it was his first game as Inter manager. Maybe he wanted to prove, maybe he wanted to get the fans on side, which was important. You know, generally, I'm not the best of sides. Let's not, you know, beat around the bush. But again, you can only beat what's in front of you and only play the, you know, the style of football that the manager kind of implements you to play. But like you said, from minute one, they were just, they were just, complete, yeah, completely on fire. I mean, it. It was 4 0, and he can easily, without exaggeration, be 7 8. Yeah, it could have been 7 or 7 or 8. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was that dominant. Yeah, they, you know, they, you're going to naturally give it. It's a bit like Liverpool, to be honest. And, you know, when, when Liverpool were going, you know, for the league a couple of years, they will always, with the high line, you will always, always leave chances. Yeah, because he chances, yeah, definitely. And this is what happened naturally on. On Saturday, because Inter was, you know, attacking, 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 naturally, the opposition at some point are going to have chances. Now, it's, it's down to them, of course, to take them. They didn't, and Inter just, just grew. And you could, there was only one winner in this game. I mean, it was so dominant. It was unreal. And it's a good start for Inzaghi. It's a brilliant start for the new boys. I mean, if you want to kind of impress your, your, your new manager and, you know, you know, we keep mentioning it in Italy, you know, moving from, you know, Chagamoglu gone from, from AC Milan to Inter Milan, but yeah. it's like they adore him already. It's like it doesn't matter who he's played for. I mean, the mentality in Italy, I, I don't personally understand it, but that's just my opinion. But, <laughs> you know, they, they, they've impressed and they if they're going to carry on like this, they'll definitely, definitely be a, a good watch this season because there's a big contrast from, from Conte's football. But then again, Conte delivered the title. So if Simone Inzaghi doesn't, and even though he plays expansive football, if he doesn't win the league, it'll be a failure. So he's got to yeah. get the balance right. True, true. I hear that. Now, coach, in regards to Inter, we saw that though it worked perfectly, um, Contage 3 5 2 last season winning the league. And the fact that he recruited so many players that played in the Premier League, realizing that they seem to just be stronger and fitter than some of the um, other players in Serie A. Do you think this um, uh, in uh, and Zaghi style of play, because we also have seen, we've all seen how entertaining Lazio have been in the last few years um, in Serie A with his style of play. Do you think interplay this different attacking style will help them go deep in the Champions League this season? As obviously last year they didn't even get out of their group. Yeah, actually, you know, I was quite impressed because there's a there was a nice structure to the team. So they stuck today. What they're three five or five three two, however you want to look at it. Um, but I think what's so good about their midfield is the addition of Hakan Chanoglu because you've got someone who's so ruthless at set pieces, 
And in terms of deliveries, in terms of taking free kicks directly, um, in terms of wide score goals from midfield, you've got a killer like Jeko, who, despite getting older, seems to just stay more green. Like he's yes. he's so good at this Jeko. Technically, he is so he's no, he's superb. Superb is what I'm looking for. He's superb. So I think the football fits them down to a T. And I think with this kind of team, they have the ability to play many different styles. Don't forget, obviously, they still got um, when he comes back from injury or whatever it is with him. Lautaro Martinez is still there. They got color off, so that's another sort of threat from wing back position if you want. Um, Arturo Vidal came off the bench. He scored and assisted, didn't he? So, yeah, I mean, they've just got um, so many ways to just implement this team. So, since since he had a decent game, because good as season, well. Season season before last, he in the opening like before he got injured, opening like. 10 to 12 games of the season was their best player at the start of the 1920 season, but then he got injured. Um, so, you know, so oh, yeah, as you're Barella. saying, options. Barella, yeah. Barella's different gravy, but he's I love, another one. I love that. He, but he's another one coach like um, Coach Indian, like um, the top world Martinez, that they're saying that if they do have to sell one more player in regards to balance the books, it's probably going to be Martinez or Barella. Yeah, because uh, they can they can command a bigger fee, can't they? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be if if Saul does end up leaving um at letting, um then don't be surprised if well if somebody if they try to bring in Barella or someone I'm surprised more teams are trying to read these into players. But no, Inter have still got a decent squad considering what they... I say decent, a good squad considering what they've lost, you know? Mm, I mean, um, Jan. Yeah. Um, Fred has what, like two, three years on his contracts, right? Fred. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Why are you trying to spoil my evening? No, 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 yeah, but we're not going to make this the United show, but we seem to give Pereira and Phil Jones and people like that contract. So um, <laughs> let, let's not go into that right now, all right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right. So um, next on the agenda in Serie <laughs> this game was on Sunday night and was not quite what I expected. Roma free. Fiorentina won in Mourinho's first game in charge of um, Roma, and obviously um, Spalletti is in charge of Fiorentina now. You were doing some more business. Apparently, they're going to get Ugiazola on loan from Real Madrid and Fiorentina, and they're doing they're doing some other work in the transfer market. Already got in Nico Gonzalez from Stuttgart, a player I rate um, quite highly as well to partner um, Valvich. Uh, but um, this this game this game is really entertaining. Fiorentina went down to ten men in the seventy in the seventeenth minute um, as their keeper was sent off. Uh, then great work by uh, Tammy Abraham um, provided the first goal for Henrik Mkhitaryan. Um, it was deemed a little controversial because it actually looked like it was offside, but VAR had a look at it and then it was given. Mm-hmm. Then um, at the start of the second half, uh, Nicolo Zaniolo was sent off for his second booking. 
And then um, Fiorentina Ricola a great finish by Milenkovic. His first touch was wonderful for a centre-half. Yeah. Controlled the ball and then and volleyed it in um, from close range. Um, Not from, everyone is Chris Smalling, Dan. So don't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> to make it to make it one-one. And then um, Tammy Abraham was at it again as he got when he was taken off. Um, he was given a standing ovation. Um, by the uh, Stadio Olimpico, but the um, he assisted before coming off. He assisted the second goal, and which was um, for Jordan Verity to obviously I mentioned him quite a bit last week in regards to the good players that um, uh, Marino will have at his disposal. Was obviously used to play centre mid in um, France's youth team with Paul Pogba um, back in the day. Had a little spell at Aston Villa but didn't work out for him. Um, and he was at the double, scoring the first from, um, after great work by Tammy Abraham. And again, it looked offside, guys, but it was given. So clearly this season, they're given the, um, ben- the benefit, that they're given the advantage, rather, to the attacking player. Whereas last season, in numerous things, you'll see the hand or an arm or whatever offside, they seem to be given these goals. But well, we'll see if, if they say... talk about Ronaldo's header? Well, yes, we are. We're going to come to the, that's going to be the last game um, that, right. um, that we come to because that was harsh, right? So, um, yeah, so that was 2 1 from Vera 2. And then um, Shomorotov um, came off the bench and his good work set up Vera 2 for his second goal. Nice, calm finish as he passed it into the bottom corner for 3 1 to Roma. Um, so, Roma actually looked more threatening when it was 10v10 rather than when they had the extra man. Is this going to be a more entertaining style from Mourinho this season, Jan? Or is it just a case where he thought at home first game, laid down a marker and he'll restore back to his more, uh, a more reserved style, especially when they play the likes of the Inters and the Milan's and the Juventus's of the world? Um, time will tell. I mean, with with Mourinho, as we know, traditionally as a manager, is very pragmatic, kind of very defensive, analyses everything, will will do anything to get a result. Now, the issue he might have is traditionally Roma are an attacking club. They play an attacking style of football, but you know, kind of they always have done. Yeah. In the last kind of few years, two, three, four years, they score a lot of goals. They attack. All right, they concede a lot as well. Hence why they, they kind of don't compete for titles. But they're always entertaining to watch. Now, of course, Mourinho's got to get the balance right. Now, I think because it was the first game and how the game planned out with Fiorentina being down to 10 men so early on, I think it made the game like that. If it was 11 v 11, I think, you, I think Mourinho probably revert to kind of being cautious and, and trying the best to get results. Now, as for the sending off, I don't know what you boys think, but I don't think it was as I don't think you touched Tommy Abraham. I could be wrong, but it was very, <laughs> very Ooh, yeah, you're being controversial. <laughs> no, I yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know what coach Rich will come to coach in a couple of seconds, but yeah, I um I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. I think it's one of them ones where in football now, look, you could some say the dark arts, it wasn't that deep. But when you see someone coming to challenge you. You got to, you're gonna you're gonna go down and try and yeah. get some form of it. And when you're a goalkeeper and you come off your line like that, what was recklessly, but as you said, there wasn't didn't seem to be much contact. But 
you're always putting yourself in a position to get sent off in those yeah, situations. Do, but it still, it still doesn't make it right because if there's no contact, it's not a foul. So, <laughs> I mean, I know there's this. There was this stupid rule that if there's intention there and he avoids the tackle, it could still deemed as a foul or whatever. But doesn't everybody try and tackle everybody? And if they miss the ball, that means they ain't got him, so that the player carries on. It's not a foul, yeah. is it? So yeah. that means we'll have a thousand fouls every single game. So. And, and to send somebody off without even touching him and for them to play, what, 80 minutes, wherever it was, with 10 men. 10 men. Yeah, I mean, it's harsh. And it's the keeper as well. I mean, yeah, I, I, I do I, I do agree about what you said about the recklessness. Yeah, a keeper, you know, you should, you know, early on in the season, early on in the game, you've got to have your head screwed on. I get that. But if he's going to make a decision to come out and not touch the striker and then they review it and you still send him off, that, for me, that's baffling. That that really was. And even the decisions as well. I mean, yeah, we're going to touch on Ronaldo, but we, we want consistency in football. So, you know, you look at Virtu's goals, they're given. Oh, sorry, Mkhitaryan's goal and Virtu's goal. Given. Yeah. And then Ronaldo's goals disallowed in the 94th minute to win them the game when, for me, he's not offside. So, you know, the, the, the consistency has got to be there. But yeah, exactly. it's different because it's different people making different decisions in different games. Yeah, it's, it's a mad one because even the commentator on both those, um, the, the first goals for Roma was like, oh, it's been given. He was really surprised because yeah. you're thinking, OK, I can see a part of his body is in front. And that's been, and as you're saying, <sighs> obviously it's a different country, but we've seen a couple of ones in Premier League, even in our game, in uh Against Fulham, Salah had one given offside, and that was much <laughs> that was much tighter than yeah. either, either of Roma's goals. But yeah, but anyway, that's a different country. We'll, we'll stay away from that. Yeah, I'm sorry, not yeah, sorry. Coach, did you think that was a penalty? Um, not a penalty. Did you think that was a centre? The keeper was rightfully sent off. Uh, no, I agree. I, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have been sent off. I don't think there was much contact or, or any. But my question was what the hell were you doing out there number one okay. and number two what the <laughs> hell are you doing running to the ground like that 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 that's why for me for that alone he deserves to be sent off because quite frankly it's idiotic <laughs> yeah he's right i agree it is it's, it's just it's a mad rush of blood yeah it's dumb it's dumb uh, so early in the game it's dumb it's very very dumb it reminds me this is a very childish example but it reminds me of a time where um, me and my cousin used to play Pro Evolution Six, and I got I got sent off. I got sent off in the sixth minute of of the game. That's game minutes. That's not real life. That's game minutes. I took him out from behind two feet. And he said, "What the hell are you doing?" And I said, "I said, oh, you know, just rush of blood." He's like, "What do you mean? We played like ten seconds of, of real life, and you really got a rush of blood today." It's dumb. It's very stupid. It's very idiotic. So, you know, just for that alone, I'm even happy to tell me everyone got, got him sent off. Get the car off the pitch, mate. You're being dumb. Get your free match, man. <laughs> Think about your actions. Sit on the north step. And when you, when you realise how dumb you were, you come back and be better. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? As, as a coach, yeah, it's got to be a manager's or coach's worst nightmare. He's sitting there for a week working out tactics, First yeah. 15 minutes, boys, keep it tight. And then the goalkeeper does that. Yeah, yeah it goes yeah. and sent off. And you think oh, everything man. that we've planned, everything that's it's just gone out, it's just gone. Like, 
game plan just completely vanished. That's what, and, it's, and even, yeah, as we spoke about, obviously, with um, the Levante Real Madrid game that we opened up with, even yeah. like that, um, Levante's goal, Roger Marti's equaliser, was like 29 seconds into the second half. Yeah. Like, Ancelotti sat there, you told them, look, go keep out there and ma- manage the game. Yeah, keep it tight. And then look, and, and those are the things, like, you realise when the main people are in um, in a team that would help manage the game. When there's not a Ramos there or whatever anymore, if these guys lose their heads, Remember, Cristiano's went how many years ago now? It's not the same. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's, it's not the same as before. When you're still going to come through and win yeah. these games, man. Like Boys, I, I'll tell you a quick story. I don't know if you heard it. Did you hear the story about Mourinho and Balotelli in the Champions League game? Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the, the, the one when you, <laughs> you told him not to lose his head or yeah. whatever, then he, he, he went and got sent off. Yeah, spent fourteen out of fifteen minutes telling him, Mario, nothing stupid. Nothing. <laughs> First minute of the second half, second game. Second half. Bang off. Yeah, yeah. And and the way that Mourinho spoke to um, about uh, to Serge Aurier for anyone that saw the Spurs documentary, I can just imagine exactly how yeah. he would have been talking to Balotelli, and then one minute, bang off. <laughs> Not, absolute nutcase. But as um. Yeah, so we let him start with it. Um, was touched on Udinese and Juventus drew 2 2. Yep. Juventus went into a 2 0 lead, a lovely opening goal by Paolo Dybala, and then Codrado, uh, goodness me, I almost called him Coutinho there. One <laughs> Codrado made it 2 0, and Juventus looked like they were flying. And then second half comes in. And Chesney, um, we've been well mainly Yan, <laughs> but we've been we were critical of him back when we were doing the that covering the nineteen to twenty season when we started here yeah. on the um, European pod. Chesney <laughs> does absolute nonsense and concedes a penalty that Roberto Pereira scored against um, his old club and he celebrated just like Juan Cuadrado, obviously he used to play for Udinese, celebrated doing his little dance um, when he scored uh, Juve second, so Pereira pulled it back to 2-1. And then another former uh, Watford player got the equaliser in um, De La Feu after more nonsense from Chesney. Don't tell me like, Chesney made two mistakes. No. What What oh, was he doing? <laughs> no. <laughs> shock, 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 shock emoji. <laughs> yeah. like, what What was he doing? And he, uh, trying to play it out, he's kicked it against the man and then De La Feu has put it into the undiscarded goal for 2-2. Then... Um, uh, Morata hit the post with a header and Bentonker, or Morata's header might be just before the equalizer actually. Bentonker hit the post later on. But then, as Jan has spoken on, Cristiano Ronaldo in the 94th minute leaped up. He came off the bench because they're saying that the rumours, we don't know the full story, but there's rumours that he asked not to start because he's looking to push away out of the club. But the ball comes, came in and Cristiano Ronaldo's looped up and does what he does. We know that he's outstanding in the air and has scored a brilliant header or so we thought it was given offside. But as Jan was just saying, it looked more onside than either of the goals that Roma scores. Um, 
though obviously you can't legislate for Chesney's nonsense, you think this were a bit unlucky here, weren't they, Yad? Yeah, they were unlucky. I mean, yeah, it might be just signs of the of the Juve of the current, where you know the Juve of the past. There's no way they're surrendering a one 0 lead, let alone a two 0 lead. So, but then again, when you got a keeper that smokes twenty fags a, a day, what do you expect? <laughs> I can't take him seriously. Like, I really can't. I've never rated him when he was at Arsenal. I've never. I've, he's just one of them goalkeepers for me that just does not bring you with any confidence. He made three mistakes for two goals. The first one, he fumbled the shot, which then ultimately brought the, the player down um, for the penalty. And then he did whatever he did for the second goal. I mean, it's just like, you're playing for Juventus. It's not like... You're playing for a massive. You should feel privileged and honoured that is at that club. Like you should come, You should wake up in the morning. And go. You know what? I'm really rubbish, and I play for Juventus. Like I should be. You know, I'm really lucky. Like I, I don't know. Just it's, it's baffling. But yeah, Juventus were good again. Um, you know, we touched on it earlier. For me, that is not offside. I mean, if we're going to start giving offside regularly for things like that. We might as well just pack up the game because football is all about entertainment. It's all about goals. It's all about the 94th minute winners. And to take that away in the, in the fashion that they did, it's scandalous. I'm sorry, but for me, that's not offside. But I saw good signs of Juventus. I mean, Allegro being back um, gives me confidence that they will, they will win the league this year. I mean, it's still early stages, but I haven't seen anything apart from... from from Chesney to, to, to convince me they won't win it. So I'm still going to stick with you, though. Coach, with Allegri back in charge, um, how good news is this for Paolo Dybala? Um, it, it would be great news for Dybala if he didn't have Chesney in goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. That's 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 how I that's how I see it. Dybala scored a lovely goal, played a lovely pass to Cuadrado, who, by the way, I, I do want to praise his goal, but I've seen probably the worst one-on-one defending I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Chesney goes back to. Oh, I say goes back to. It's probably always been him. The Chesney that once upon a time uh, resided in a so-called Emirates Stadium um, and showed his true form. And like I said, you know, it was a once upon a time he was showing good form and he was, people were like, oh, look, Chesney's improved. Listen, Yajirobi once chopped off Vegeta's tail. Vegeta is now Super Saiyan God. Yajirobi goes around fields chasing nothing. That's a Dragon Ball Z reference for anyone that didn't get it. Basically, Everyone has has one shot, and then they do a thing, and then after that, they go missing. Makeda scored a wonderful goal for Man United. Where's Makeda now? You can't see him. <laughs> so Chesney found form once in a while, and then he became Wojciech Chesney once again. It happens. Um, De La Feu having the best score, best day of his life. When I was past him, he was like, "Well, then I know what I'm doing here." <laughs> so look, I. Is no, honestly to answer your question, it's great for Dybala because no manager knows him better. They, they had a wonderful relationship at the time um, that Allegri was at um, Juve the first time round. So yeah. bringing back that um, bringing back that partnership is one is wonderful. And I think Ronaldo would love working under Allegri as well. Actually, 
I think he's going to love that. So, um, they worked together as well, didn't it? Because Pierre was only one year, was it right? So, they worked together as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah so I think, I think that's, I think it's great for the club. And that, that, as for the offside, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. The angles as to where they show the offside and where the lines are, I'm like, if you just move the camera slightly to the left, you know, just, <laughs> because this, this is 2021, you can do it. <laughs> If you use the camera slightly to the left, surely we have a much more direct photo of what this is. Because I'm looking at it, I've looked at it several times. I'm like, I'm sure the gap isn't as big as the lines I'm making now. It can't be. No. It can't be. No. I refuse to believe that. I'm sorry, but it, it just can't be. It, it doesn't even make sense. And if, if, if you want to make even more sense of it, if you look at the blue line and the red line, it's touching a body part before it hits the shoulder. So it's even overlapping body parts. Like, it's not being used correctly. It's just very stupid. The gap is not that big. The lines are supposedly supposed to be thicker. They were thicker in this one. I just think it was. Um, I think it was silly. But again, the moral of the story is: when you don't have Chesney in goal, you wouldn't have the situation because they would have done it too much. So there you go. Oh man! <laughs> but. Also as well, because you've mentioned his name, is Cristiano definitely going to be staying at Juventus? Could he end up at Paris Saint-Germain or Manchester City? Or do you think it's just all smokes and mirrors, they say? Um, there's, not, there's no smoke without fire. So there's got to be something in there. Um, I don't think you'll end up at Man City. I, I think Ronaldo's... Um, loyalty to Man United. I know there's not so much of it these days, but I think the way that Ronaldo is regarded a legend at United, I think he would lose all that if he went to Man City. Um, and I, I don't see him going there. Now, if you want to talk about the dream ticket of having Neymar, Ronaldo and Messi up front, now, that, that could potentially happen. The thing is, Dan, the pandemic has hit the world. It's hit the football, right? It's hit, the, it's hit the football teams. They would have signed Ronaldo, of course, before the pandemic started. So his wages would have been what they thought they were going to earn on normal kind of basis. Juventus simply can't afford Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's wages. Mm. So if they can offload him to PSG, then I think they will. And I think there's a good chance it can happen before the... If, if Mbappe, of course, goes to Real Madrid, then that frees up. Ronaldo going to um to PSG and uh, and it could happen yeah it'll be fascinating to see Ronaldo and Messi up front though that would be amazing wouldn't it that just to see if it actually would work so that that they'll be interested I'm 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 not I'm not just to see it though because it's like watching Merva versus Pacquiao how many years later <laughs> you know, we, we, we now we now getting this now it's like, that being said though Messi and um, Messi will find Ronaldo for fun for fun. It'll be a day in the park for Ronaldo and Messi will just be supplying. Messi might break 50 assists and Ronaldo will break 50 goals. <laughs> but, Coach, remember, when he left United to go to Real Madrid, he said it was indeed to make, it was a step up in his career. Remember, mm. it's just, this isn't like we're talking about Marcus Rashford, someone that was born and bred in Manchester. Do you think in his pursuit of another Ballon d'Or, even though it would be with who has been his biggest rival in it in, for the last 13, 14 years in Messi playing with him, do you not think 
at his age to squeeze another Champions League. He doesn't really care for that about I, what he's done for Man United. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Ronaldo cares about Ballon d'Ors anymore. I, I, I think that ship has sailed. If I'm being honest, I think after he got his last one, I think he just sort of thought, well, it is what it is. The, the, that ship has sailed because Juventus don't win Champions League. You, you have to win Champions League, and maybe getting a move to your PSG or God forbid Man City brings him close to that Champions League. That's his thinking. That could be what his thinking is, but I think he craves Champions League more than Ballon d'Or. I think when he's in the conversation for Ballon d'Or, that's when his mouth opens a lot more. And he's like, all right, cool. Now let's talk and let's try and get and push my PR a little bit and get me another Ballon d'Or. But I don't think he has that craving for Ballon d'Ors anymore, man. You, social media is a very open and closed book. You, you don't really know what happens behind closed doors. But the guy is a lot more active on social media more than ever. He's living life now. He's done football. You know, I think that move to Italy just sort of gave him that sort of... Yeah, but I think with the PSG project, I think he'd be excited to link up with Messi. They always have a great respect for each other. And he'd be like, great to link up with Neymar as well. And in, in Dread, it's another beautiful country. And I'm sure jo- jo- Georgina Rodriguez, who, by the way, flipping up, what a beauty. Um, <laughs> beautiful woman, wow. Um, I'm sure she would love to live in Paris as well, near enough. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's obsessed with Ballon d'Ors anymore, man. I think that ship sailed. Um, I don't think Messi's obsessed with Ballon d'Ors anymore either. So, yeah, it's just more about enjoyment now. They're old men now, man. They're old men. Oh, I hear that. So, our last stop in Italy, and I have to, I almost forgot, but um, we have to <laughs> mention this one. Atalanta beat <laughs> Torino um, 2-1. Um, this game was... This it was it was nuts. I tried to took the lead on six minutes. A brilliant goal by Luis Muriel turned and then smashed the ball to the roof for the goal. Chances at both ends. Andrea Bellotti came off of the bench to score the equaliser. Um, Carol Onetti um, setting him up, and then <laughs> after. Back and forth, back and forth, Atalanta knocking on the door. Piccoli scored in the third minute of injury time to win uh, the game for um, Atalanta. And obviously, I was critical of the fact that I would have thought with such great business they've done in the last few years, with the way they've sold people, even at the start of last year, obviously Romero, 50 million to well, it's a loan, and then... Um, I'm not sure if they're obligated to or not, but it should be for Tottenham to purchase him for 50 million next summer. And then, obviously, for instance, at the start of last season, they sold Castagna to Leicester for 25 million pounds. And he was the third choice left, um, the third choice fullback because he was behind Gossens and Hatterbor. They've done such great business. I didn't think that they necessarily needed to sell people to stay afloat or whatever it is. And I would have thought they would have had a genuine chance of winning, winning the league of the season if they never had to sell people. There is still time left in um, in the window to do something. But what are we expecting from them this season, Jan? Because you know, don't enter my Italian team. Mm. I'm... I've got massive respect um, for Atalanta and I've had more affinity with them in um, the last three or four um, years especially. What how, what can Gasparini do um, with this set of players? They came second last season. Let's not forget, but obviously they've lost people. 
You see, yeah. is that out, is that out of the question again? If you, Juventus getting the leg back? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the thing that you can expect from that, from them is is them still punching above their weight. I mean, if you look, it, it's kind of a fairy tale, a fairy fairy tale, fairy tale um, story about Atalanta from where they were kind of four or five years ago, and what what they've kind of achieved. All right, they haven't achieved anything in in, in trophies. But their status in the Champions League, finishing second in, in Syria, you know, with a budget that's so kind of less than everybody else. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you want to talk about the player, you know, to go to Italy, you're talking Roma, Lazio, Milan, Inter, Juventus, etc. No one wants to go, you know, no one would have heard of, of Atalanta or want to go there. So the fact that they, they, they're kind of attracting the players, getting the players to fit Gasparoni's system, Playing the way that they have been, and and to be fair to them, Dan, they've been consistent, consistently up there for the squad, for the budget. I mean, yeah. I I agree with you hundred percent. I've got total total respect for them as well. They they remind me a bit of like Leicester over here. Yeah, 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 yeah. You think they're going to go away? They just they don't. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I think. I mean, of course, Leicester have had a little bit of investment, whatever, more than Atalanta, of course. But they they kind of remind me of that kind of that story where Leicester kind of come out of nowhere, where Nigel Pearson gets sacked because um, Ranieri comes in. Ranieri's favourite to to be sacked and Leicester to go down and Leicester win the league. It's just, you know. <laughs> It's kind of like that with Atalanta. If they could top it off with a trophy after everything that they've done, I'd be very, very pleased for them. Oh, man. Right. Why do we, why do we love fairytale stories, man? Why huh? do we like it? Huh? Why do we like it? Did you yeah. Know? Would you? Would you? Yeah, because we're not as cynical as you, Coach. Like, so, I'm that's, I'm you, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you're a top hill, brother. You're a top hill. I can. <laughs> I know why Randy Orton is one of your favorite wrestlers. You are a top hill. I will sometimes piece a question together and I will twist it to ask you the question rather than when I ask it to Yang. And you're so dismissive. I'm like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it when Leicester won the league because I was like, where the hell were Man United? (laughs) Uh, The Leicester one, I only only liked it because for me it was, if it's not Man United, anyone else but Liverpool and City and Arsenal, I can survive. Even Chelsea, fuck Chelsea as well. Yeah, Yeah. I can survive that. (laughs) Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So the fairy tale is always nice afterwards when it doesn't affect your team kind of thing. But it did because we were kind of know when they won the league. And I'm thinking, Leicester winning the league and Man United are nowhere to be seen. So when it's like in another country where I don't really care, I like the story. But if it's in my domestic, when it involves United, then no, I don't. I'm like Jan to an extent, coach, because I wanted um, Arsene Altmar to win the Eredivisie. But then, obviously, the um, lockdown happened. Because remember, before lockdown, when we were doing it, remember, that mm. week before, we covered over DZ, Altmar had just beaten Ajax 2-0. Yeah, so they were level on points. points. So, yeah. so that pandemic hurt them more. And what I hate is the clickbait, because all Sky and these other outlets were like, Ajax denied the title. And I was thinking, but Altmar are level on points with them. What are you talking about? You get what I'm saying, you know? Because they know that will be the clicks rather than saying that, oh, I'll say that, you get what I'm saying? So, 
it's, it's a, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with Jan, obviously, as you say, but it's not affecting the team you support directly. The fairy tale story is nice. I, Real Madrid have been my Spanish team since I was in primary school, but Atleti winning the story, winning the title last season, Suarez being let go by Barca and go winning the title there. We live for that. Lille as well. Even though Lille are stinking up their start to this season, <laughs> you know. But yeah, so right, we're gonna go quickly to the Bundesliga as our last um, main league. And um, oh god, I'm gonna let both of you absolutely slaughter Dortmund. But I'm gonna start with uh, I'm gonna start with Jan on this one. <laughs> Freiburg, Freiburg beat our best friends Dortmund two one. Um, Freiburg, that's our shock Bundesliga result of the week. Um, Freiburg first was a great free kick by Vincenzo Griffo. Um, Drew Bellingham hit the post for Dortmund. Um, then Wu Young Chung missed a guilt edge chance to make it two 0 to Freiburg. But then um, a sweeping counter attack. Um, got them the um, made it two 0 in the second half. Um, Ronald Roland, sorry, Salai uh, made it um, two 0 as they broke away. Yeah, the Hungarian on his debut. Yep, yeah, and then um, Dortmund pulled one back for two one. But this is Dortmund always do this, don't we? All, obviously, we all know that when needed to, we absolutely ripped them uh, on this show. They got a late. So, well, not a late on the hour. They got a goal back, um, an own goal by um, Cattell, and um, pulled it to two one. But what what is wrong with what is wrong with Dortmund? And this is why, at the end of the day, they end up always playing catch up on Bayern because they just lose these super games, and then you'll see them play again next week, and you'll think, oh, this game might be tricky for them, and they're going to go and probably absolutely hammer the next team that they play. Why do they do this, Coach? Um, yeah, sorry. Lack of consistency, mate. I mean, the thing is as well, if you want to act like a big club, you have to be respected like a big club. And they're not. They don't. For me, they don't go about their 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 business their way in the manner that they should. And we've touched on it so many times. If you're going to keep selling your your best players to your rivals, um, then you're you're going to get beat week in week out, or you're not going to. Um, you're not going to challenge Bayern Munich because you simply don't have the, the, the firepower to do it. I don't know if it's um I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's a thing that runs through the club that the fact that they're just kind of used to losing now. Um, if it's lack of quality, I mean they've got good players, they've got good experienced players there as well, but they don't they don't have the strength that Bayern Munich do. And I agree with you, they can go to Leipzig next week and go win four 0 and then they'll play Mites at home and they'll lose 2-1. It's, <laughs> that's how they are. It's the, the, the very, you know, with Sancho going as well, they've lost a lot of assists. They've lost, they've lost a lot of goals there as well. Mm-hmm. So they've got to replace that somehow. It's not easy. You've got a, a Holland that, you know, his mind is, all right, he's going to respect the club he's playing for, but his mind ain't there. He's looking at the next move, which doesn't help either. You know, they've got a new coach as well who's come from much and black back. So he's got to, you know, bed his ideas across to the to, to the team. So it seems like we've, we've Dortmund every year, it's always like a like something happens, always like a transitional period where there's a different manager, different players coming in. So there's no consistency. That's, but, that, you know, you've got, to have, you've got to build 
your team around your best players. And if you're going to sell them every year, then you've got no chance of competing. There you go. There you go. Right. So to buy Munich, I'm going to come to you, coach. Well, you, you don't want to give me Dortmund, no? <laughs> <laughs> go on then. Have you have you uh, step up for the roast of Dortmund? Go on. Well, there's nothing to say except you're asking why does this why does this always happen? It's because they're British Dortmund, my friend. That that's what it is. That that's just football heritage. You know. Oh, heritage. heritage. <laughs> Oh man, football is right to, to buy it now because otherwise um coach will absolutely kill these guys. Um Bayern Munich beat Cologne 3 2 the crazy game that believe it or not was nil nil at half time, but then you had a burst, a burst of goals come at left, right, and center here. Bayern took the lead through um, Lewandowski after some good work by Jamal Musiala. All these former Chelsea youngsters doing their thing. Um, Serge Gnabry made it 2-0 after some good work by um, Thomas Muller. Actually, also to note as well, Nicolas Sula almost scored an outrageous goal in the first half of this game, where he did a flick and then he volleyed it, but the keeper turned it, uh, turned it over. Like, for a defender, he is one of the best defenders in world football in regards to when he has the ball at his feet, which is why Bayern use him at right back sometimes. We knew this from Offenheim anyway. Yeah, Sula's brilliant with his feet. Um, but, but we knew this. <laughs> I, I, I'm not here for Nicolas Sula. Um, Asad does. Yeah, I think he's very good with the um, ball at his feet. Um, he did get caught out. Are you talking defensively? You think he's not good? Because obviously that's his position, or what? Or you just think know, all around think he's, he's poor? I, I, I don't know. I think his balance is wrong. I think he's slow. I, I don't know. I just I, I don't see what you're saying, to be honest. But I said he's good on the ball. And you just said he's slow. I never said he was fast. I said yeah. on the ball. I think he's one of the best defenders about. I never said he was the best defender about. He's not good and he's a defender. He's got to be good at something, you know. So if he's good at the ball, then I'll give you that one. But... <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I wasn't. Oh, I, I, I wasn't giving him. I wasn't giving him um, the, um, the, the, the greatest CV of all. I was just saying. Right, that okay. I think he's very good at the ball. That's it. That was just a oh. trip. Anyway, yeah, but. Um, <laughs> but then a minute after um, Janabri's goal, Anthony Modest pulled it back to 2-1 after good work by um, the other sector. Then Marlf made it 2-2. Then, Colonel Boys made it 3-2. <laughs> 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 I didn't know what Bayern Munich was on, but then Serge Janabri scored a brilliant goal, edge of the box, right foot, top bins um, after um, uh, being passed to by um, Joshua Kimmich and Bayern won 3-2. But, Coach, the Bayern's high line, is this going to cost them? We, regardless of what happens, we know that because we've just spoken on Dortmund, we're not sure if Leipzig will have enough. We know that um, it's highly unlikely that anyone will be able to stop Bayern. But is the high line going to prevent them from winning the Champions League? It could do. I, my issue with Bundesliga teams is, and I, I was going to, I, I was going to, Talk about Dortmund and Bayern as well, but truth be told, it's not just a Dortmund problem. You can't defend if you're always running back to defend. 
it's impossible when you're always chasing. Um, Mark Mark Usko was another chase back, and how early in the game is that to be now running with all your players having to now run back to stop a counter attack? It's it's the Bundesliga is ridiculously far too open. I don't like how open it is. You know, I know we live for games of excitement and loads of goals and all that, but that that art of defending has sort of you know just taken a big back step. It's not even art anymore. It's just what it is, and it could cost them dearly because other teams are starting to wake up a lot more defensively in other leagues anyway. So. It's not just a it's not just a Dortmund thing. Even though I do go for their next all the time, Bayern Munich are doing the same, and they they need to be careful. They need to be very very careful because they shouldn't have been considering two goals as being two 0 up. They should have. It's not about shutting up shop, but just be solid, be strong, yeah. you know. And they, they, didn't have, they didn't have that. It was poor. It was very poor from them. Both goals they considered were poor. Modest was by himself in the box. <laughs> Mark Uth is running into space and having no one in front of him bar goalkeeper so they cross his ease room to put away it's just it's, it's comical for me it's, it's comical and i say it could put him in trouble knowing Bayern munich and the, the firepower they have and the opposition they tend to get which is the teams they always bully they probably could win it again but if they come up against a team that has their their blinkers on if they're if they're smart defensively and know how to expose that defense Bayern Munich could be in for a world of pain and not enough Lewandowski goals can save them. There you go. Now, Yen, Leroy Sané was subjected to booze um, during this game. And let's be honest, um, as great a player as he is, since coming back for that injury, leaving for Man City for Bayern Munich, he's just not looked the same player consistently. Mm-hmm. How's, this, how's this injury finished in terms of his time at Bayern? Is he going to have to be on the bench because and uh, there might be a slight change to the formation because there's rumours that obviously he's a central midfielder but Marcel Sabitza mm. is going to um, join Bayern from Leipzig before the window closes which will be classic Bayern bullying um, the teams in and around them for their players. Could we see a change of formation and him seeing more time on the bench unless he um, sorts it out sooner rather than later? Well, if Sabitzer comes in, it, if the formation stays the same, it doesn't affect Sane because Sabitzer will play in the middle and Sane plays up wide on the ball flank. So I don't think that would... It'll probably affect more Goretzka or maybe Taliso if Sabitzer comes in. That's where the, the, the change might be. Yeah, of course, if there's a change of system and they want to go with more midfield players and play more more centrally, then yeah, Sane, Sane could find himself in trouble. Now, as for Sane... Bayern Munich have invested a lot of money in Leroy Sane. I don't think they're just going to kind of give that up just like that. The boy's going through a tough period at the moment. The club needs to stand by him because the talent is there. You know, you don't become a bad player, you know, overnight. You know, yeah, the the, the injury has, has dampened his career, put a stop to it for now. But, you know, class is, class is permanent and the form is temporary. And once he, he gets a rhythm or maybe gets that confidence back, then... I'm pretty sure he can show um, the type of player that he was at City and and Schalke. I'm a massive fan of Leroy Sané. I think he's a fantastic yep. player. Um, yep. So I would I would back him. You know, I, I hope he was really rubbish at City, but I didn't turn out to be because he was quite good. But <laughs> n- now again, that he doesn't affect me, then yeah, I like to see him do well because 
you know, he's, he's natural. He's got that natural kind of, you know, he, he glides through players when he's on top form. He's got sweet left foot. So, um, I just think he's just going through one of them them periods where footballers do. So, um, Bayern have just got to be, they got to manage him properly. Arm around his shoulder. Listen, Leroy, you're still our player, you know. We'll, you know, we'll do whatever we can to get you back to, to the levels that you were and then, you know, that's how you get the best out of players by, you know, giving them the confidence and the belief to, to find their form again. Yeah, there you go. Coach, what, um, what are your thoughts on um, Nero Sane? Since he's joined by the um, he's, um, he's one that's baffled me over time. Um, I always had the question in my mind as to why he wasn't a star at um, Man City at first. Just because in terms of his talent, He's got incredible talent. You know, the the speed is just one thing, but the way he can strike a ball, the impact he was making off the bench for City at times was incredible. So when he went to Bayern, I thought this was an um, a bargain buy because the fee wasn't big. I thought it was yeah. someone that would go there and just tear it apart. But it hasn't it hasn't worked out that way. And maybe he's one of those players that we're going to look at when he retires because I he, for me right now he's not a memorable player. He's not someone I will sit back and say, yeah, I remember him. Like me, us guys here, we remember names, innit? We remember people in general in football, the world of football, we're football heads. But when you talk about the discussions of players that really maximise their potential, I don't think he's going to be one of those players. And that's worrying because he plays for a huge club in Germany. So it's not that he hasn't got the ability to do so. It's the question of why are you so inconsistent with it. What is it that's stopping you? You've had injuries? Could be an attitude problem as well, coach. It could be. And this, that's what I was going to come to because I was going to say you've had injuries and in that, but are you as... De- it could be a question of are you as dedicated? I don't think he's a problem player. It just could be about a question of dedication. It could be a question of motivation. It could be a question of whether he has the the drive to go out there. And buying standards are high. They might not be as ruthless as Real Madrid fans, but the standards are still high. This is the most dominant club in the in the land of Germany. So you've got to step up to the levels. If to promoting can do something in certain games, <laughs> you you need to be doing something also. It's just it's just a reality. I think he's a, he's a talented player, but if he carries on like this, he's not going to be there next season and he's not going to be a big club either. It's going to be a medium-sized club and that's going to be the, the beginning of the end for him. Oh, I, I hope not, but I do hear you because that's your, obviously you've spoken about attitude, confidence, etc. Your own fans booing you. Um, it, yeah, but, that's, but bro, that's that's the thing though. Like, so, sorry, sorry, but you know, when when you're getting booed by fans, it's never easy. And I, I actually do want to succeed as well. I believe in his talent, mm-hmm. but you sometimes it's a it's also a test of your character. Are you are you gonna step up from this and say, okay, you know what? You booed me, so I've got something to prove here. Or, because you can take it both ways. I'm sure the manager said to him, look, the fans, they, they boo, whatever. You're a great player. You're in my plans. He'll do everything to stroke his ego a little bit, look after him, give him a bit of a cuddle. But Leroy has to look at this and say, if I look at the players around me and the way they play and the, the, the influences that they are at the club, Am I really matching the expectation? And that's his expectation and the club's expectation. Forget about us and the fans of other teams and that because we, when we see players, we get excited by their talent. Yeah. 
what your club wants you to do. If you are doing what the club wants you to do, eventually your your fan base will see it. The Bayern Munich fans will see it. Forget about the outside world. The Bayern Munich fans will see it. Then they won't need to have any need to boo you. And then eventually everyone else sees it. If you're not doing that, that's why they're booing you. Truth be told, I, I don't think Bayern Munich fans boo players unless there's reason. Real Madrid fans boo players because they want to boo them. Bayern Munich don't do that. So I think he just needs to step up, man. He needs to step up. He, he's not a young guy ever anymore, man. He's a, he's a big boy. He's a big man now. He needs to either step up or watch someone else take his space and he'll be done for at, big, at the top level anyway. Yeah, 100%. Right. In other um, Bundesliga results. And I, actually, in regards to Serie A, um, apologise Serie A fans, I did not mention the fact that Bologna, Sassuolo had a good 3-2 win away at Verona, and Lazio had a 3-1 win away at Empoli. But also, I forgot to mention, Bologna and Salernitana had a crazy game um, five second half goals, Bologna won 3 2. Uh, Marco Anatovic um, on the score sheet for Bologna in that one. So, yeah, Serie was filled with goals um, this weekend. Um, but, yeah, back to um, uh, the Bundesliga. Two results, two games that I thought would actually be closer. On Friday, Leipzig beat. Still got four 0 Andre Silva getting his first goal for the for the penalty spot, but um, a lovely team goal by Emil Forsberg for the second goal. But the first and third goals were called by Dominic Sabasla. Um, the first goal was a brilliant strike um, from long range. The second, which was the third goal, I'm not quite sure what happened. He took a free kick. He drove a free kick into the box. But it looked like he was just driving into a dangerous area. But the keeper, Florian Muller, I don't know what he was doing. And the ball just flew. <laughs> the ball just flew into the corner of the goal. Um, so 4 deal for Leipzig there, looking good. And in a game that we thought would be much closer, Leverkusen hammered Borussia Mönchengladbach 4-0. That was the um, Saturday evening game. Um, own goal by Jan Sommer, who's not started the season greatly after having a really good Euros. Patrick Schick got a goal. Diaby scored a deflected volley. And Amiri got the fourth. But um, again, we all know, we've all drew to the conclusion last week, um, Bayern would win the league. But between Jan mentioned Hoffenheim last week, um, Leverkusen, Leipzig, Dortmund. It's going to be an exciting run. Gladbach, though they've had a poor start, it's going to be an exciting mix for the um, European European places, isn't it? Coach. Oh, sorry. sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, to be fair, I do love a good European position battle. And that's, that's what's key this season. I think... If I can pretty much use it for all leagues, I think uh, what I'd say is when you have a battle, I'd say from third place, I mean, I love a big title race, but if you can have a, a battle from third to sixth or even seventh, I don't know, the fifth team in there, and just have teams having the results. Now, I want to say this for me and Jan. It's not fun when your team have the position to get have the chance to go fourth. And they keep fumbling every time. Remember that year when May United, Arsenal and Chelsea kept on, and Tottenham kept on just saying to me, to you, dumb and dumber. <laughs> um, 
that that's not fun. But as a neutral, when you're watching teams go toe to toe and just trying to fight for that single position or single two positions, depending on um, the coefficient of your league, it's super exciting. It's super fun. Um, so I'm hoping for the same this year. You wanna you want a league where it's not done by March and you already know who's finishing where. You know who's getting relegated. You know who's playing in the Europa League or now the UEFA Conference League. Shout out Pacos de Ferreira. Um, <laughs> you know you. Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> you just you you just want that excitement. That's what football's about. You crave that. You know we we in the Premier League we came from the. You know, Newcastle once upon a time competed, and then even West Ham last year were looking good for maybe a Champions League spot. They got a Europa League spot. You know, it's fun. It's fun to watch. So yeah, I think we're in for another tight one in all the leagues actually, and um, it better be. It better be tight. I want fun this year, and I think we're gonna get some fun. Yeah, we all know what you think on Dortmund, <laughs> um, but but um, Fraudman. Do you think- <laughs> Do you think there could be any surprises in who runs um, Bayern close this season? Um, not really, to be honest. No. I mean, it always seems like, you know, maybe at Christmas there's a club, maybe like Leipzig or Dortmund or someone will think, oh, you never know. And then the results after like the winter break comes back and then Bayern just kind of, you know, push the accelerator button and they're gone and everybody else is just left behind. There's just too much. There's too much fa- um, firepower up by. There's too much know-how. There's too much experience. There's too many winners. They've done it, you know, year in, year out. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to the crunch, when it comes to those games that they have to win, ultimately they win them. Whilst the others don't have don't have the quality. They don't have the know-how. They don't know how to cross the line. All these things are dividends. They, 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 you know, they play a massive. You know, when they talk about like experience and things like that, this is where it counts. So, um, no, not not for me. I think Bayern will cruise it as as usual. Um, I think the Italian league will be a close one. I think the Spanish league will be a close one. I think the English league will be a close one. I think there'll be certain leagues this year that um, that we uh, and we've coached that we might actually see a really kind of entertaining. Um, title race or title races excellent right so we'll just um, round off with the um, a quick look at uh, Liga 1 just the results in that case Leon drew 3-3 with um, promoted Clermont Foot <laughs> they, conceded, they conceded two late goals to Rashani um, that's a that's a bad result when you're winning three one at half time. Don't know what they're on. <laughs> Ren got a one 0 win over Nantes. Montpellier beat uh, Lorient three one. Uh, Lille held um, lost one. Uh, sorry, lost you know. Drew one one with Saint Etienne. Um, Yulmaz gave them the lead. So we crossed with Saint Etienne, which we still no win for Lille. Uh, yet this season the champions but the biggest shot Paris Saint-Germain will fall to against Brest um, as usual um, Mbappe um, on the score sheet in that one um, Moulier who used to be at Huddersfield got um, a goal for Brest but again with Paris Saint-Germain great attacking play but I'm not sure with um, <laughs> some of the defending but obviously they've not got all their pieces in yet there 
Uh, Navas still in goal. I'm not sure how long it will be before they plug um, Donnarumma in. But the shock result in France, guys, as we um, wrap up the show, <laughs> Monaco will be in 2-0 at home by Lons. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness me. So, um, Lons, I think that was uh, one eye on the Champions League, though, Dan. Yeah, probably. Probably. You know, and They've gone out tonight as well, so we've not been the yep. best, you know, yep, best yep. of weeks for them. Yep, in the middle of us recording. And that, that's why I'm annoyed um, the Adam coach with um, them scrapping the away goals rule because otherwise Monaco would have been through with their two goals from um, Wazam, Wazam Benyeda. Uh, <sighs> yeah, disappointing. This is really disappointing for them because I think Nico Kovac has done well there. They've got a good young team. But um, this is a huge blow, them not getting into the Champions League. Massive, massive blow. I will um, say, so, uh, can, I, can I just say, um, yeah. Monaco going out was unfortunate this tonight. Uh, I do agree with the, the, I'm not happy with the whole away goal rule being scrapped because that, that adds extra excitement to the tie. And I think they've they fucked up with that. That being said, um, Monaco deserved that for seven main nights. Anthony Marshall for £56 million. <laughs> oh, my so, God. Let it go, bro. Let so, it go. Um, <laughs> until he leaves, it's um, it's laughs only. Wow. <laughs> this guy is on smoke all the time. Like, Man United get mentioned on this European pod more than some of the bloody European teams. You know what I'm saying? Goodness me, you not need to be stopped. But right, we've um, much longer today than I was actually expecting it to be. Let's leave it there. As much as there is other stuff to talk about in Europe, we squeeze in um, the transfer talk in regards to the um, the Mbappes and Cristianos of the world. So let's wrap it up there because it's really, really late now. Um, handles, please, guys. Um, coach, you first. Uh, Freeman Field, all of our Twitter and all your audio platforms, uh, Instagram as well and TikTok. And um, yeah, that's about it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, before we do, there's just some breaking news. Apparently, Man City are interested in signing Cristiano Ronaldo from Juventus, according to Sky in Italy. Yeah, yeah. that's why. I, that's why I was asking you, you lot about that earlier on the pod because we've got our um, we, we've got our inside piece. Yeah, I still don't think it will happen, but anyway. Um, if it happens, you Man United fans are going to be crying, mate. If it happens, I'm not coming back on the show. Nope. <laughs> 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 oh man. Um so my, my Instagram is Yannickis six and my Twitter is at Yannickis J. Excellent. And my handles um at double D that's D U B U L D W E. That's on all um social media. And I uh, of course and we go on air at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning on On Top FM 95.5 FM. Uh, but if you're not in London, probably best to tune in to us on the LinkedIn. The link, well, goodness me, LinkedIn, no, tune in. Goodness me, that's how you know, isn't it? On the TuneIn Radio app or the Simple Radio app. Um, 
you can tune in to listen to us on any previous shows. You can catch that on our SoundCloud. That's got, go on Double D on SoundCloud or just type in D and D Football Factory, and you can hear any of our previous shows or podcasts. And on all social media, we are at DD Footy Factory underscore. Um, so that's it for another edition of the European Pod here on Shoot the Defence. Thank you very much for listening, people. We are out. 